Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at The Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Laurie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 90 of the Happiness Playbook. I'm super excited to have my good friend Jana Hargadon here with me for part two of our conversation about the origin of play theory. Be sure to listen to episode 89 to catch all of the details on how Jana and I started a theater company together and what play theory looked like at its inception. For this episode, we're picking up where we left off, and we'll be focusing on the power of taking action and how important it is to share with others the positive things we're learning. After all, life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. Do you remember our first motto? It was in Latin, and I don't think I'm saying it right, but hominis dum discant. Hominis dum Ah, Hominus dum docent discant. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, men, it translates to... When they teach, learn. Yep, men when they teach, learn. And so we really believed that, so we wanted to give these kids opportunities to to teach and to serve. And so we would take these principles that we were trying to solidify, and we would go into junior high, sometimes high schools, and then we would do these activities, Mm -hmm. some of them that we'd learned with Flash Family or Mm -hmm. that we'd, you know, I'd cobbled together from reading some books on improv and try to teach these really transformative life skills. And and it was cool to see the attitude or the atmosphere mm-hmm. when you'd walk into one of these classrooms, and then by the time we'd finish with our little 45-minute workshop, it would be mm-hmm. totally different. There would be this, um, the kids would be talking with one another. Mm-hmm. There would be this energy that was engaging and interested yeah. versus this, like, sit on your heel, mm-hmm. hug the wall. Well, one thing I remember is... When we would do the Shakespeare competitions, en route to the Shakespeare competitions, we would do workshops. Right, right, before we ever competed. So literally all on the road, we would stop yeah. and do workshops. And one time we stopped at... And Jana would set those up, like, I, you know, I, yeah. would, I would direct the scenes. <laughs> Jana would cough up these workshops, like, what are we, who, how did you figure this out? We did, we did a big workshop as, at an English as a second language school. Do you remember that? With Debbie Hill? Yes. That was crazy. We're doing improv scenes, and um, no, improv workshops and Shakespeare scenes for English as a second language school. <laughs> but it was very well, well received. Whoever would say yes, we would go. <laughs> and we knew that it was beneficial for our kids, and we knew that it could be beneficial for the other people too. And we went to a, I remember one school we went into, we did a workshop for their special needs. Yes, that was, um, that was at that same... English special, or that was the same school Debbie mm-hmm. Hill had set up. And there were a lot of kids living with autism. And I remember we would play these the clap game and, and do some of the workshops. Mm-hmm. All the activities, um, I think, because they have a physical attribute, they, mm-hmm. they worked if, with that population. Yeah. That was surprising. And I remember some of the teachers saying, Oh, after we were, you know, we, we, would, we wanted feedback. Of course, mm-hmm. everyone likes feedback. And they said, Oh my gosh, you got those kids to give you eye contact. Mm. And we yeah. struggle a and long that, time. That was one of the principles the that we said. would we would talk about that eye contact. That was one of the principles mm-hmm. for early on too. Yeah, look how how did you how did you say it? I can't remember. I think we had a little sign with eyes. And I think we even just said eye contact. 
<laughs> yeah. It was pretty basic. But Which, it, but and basic basic was what they needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and our kinda, kids and the and those special yeah. kids who were that was a struggle for them. So yeah. they were able to there's a lot that can be accomplished through theater when you put on the guise of a character. Mm-hmm. You can do things that you couldn't do in your own skin, sort of. Yeah, well, Mr. Rogers always used those puppets, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a, and you can use them with therapy, all kinds of different things. I, I want to go back to that special needs class because I remember experience. We would spread out and the kids would get different assignments. So we'd go in, in small groups and do a little workshop with different classrooms. And I was in that room with that special needs group and we didn't know what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just, we would say to the school when we got there, this is what we have to offer. Where do you want us? And we would go. And so the kids were leading this workshop and I saw a couple of the teachers talking and there was this feeling in my interpretation was there was a little anxiety and I was able to see, oh, this, this group, they're not responding like the other groups. I didn't realize it was special needs at first. And then we carried on, we, we got the kids to interact. And then I, I noticed that this aide that had been talking to the other one, she had tears in her eyes. Mm. And afterwards, when she talked with us, she said that there was a girl in that group who, this was in October, and she said that they hadn't got her to verbalize yet that school year. Mm. And that was the first time that she had verbalized was in the workshop with us. Mm. And that had really, mm. had really moved her. And I just thought, wow, that, that was amazing. Because here I, I'm feeling some anxiety because this, this atmosphere isn't what I was anticipating, but it was so much yeah. better than, than they had hoped for. And here I was thinking it was subpar, but right. it was good. Well, one thing we learned, you and I learned, is the power of, um, we had our motto, men when they teach learn, but we also recognized and started to really see in action the fact that young people teaching other young people was more effective than sometimes older people teaching young people. So our kids would get on the ground with these kids and look at them in the eye and really be present with them and care about them. Yeah. And they really loved them. And there were um, the consequences were beautiful things like that little girl talking. Yeah. And I think the other power in that too is our the youth that we were teaching these principles to it wasn't like they were pros at them, and many of them were very nervous mm-hmm. to step out and to, to look outward. And mm-hmm. in last week's podcast, I talked about how empowering it is or how you can be uh, encouraged or you can have courage as you seek to encourage someone else. Mm, that's good. And these kids, I think they could, you can sense that, well, wow, okay, this person is striving. Maybe this isn't just second nature to them, and there's a, a desire to maybe help out or mm-hmm. ease, go along and make it easier for them too. And I think sometimes that happens too. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful thing when, when we're striving and we're trying and we're learning, when we share that with someone else, it, it is contagious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful to watch. So that, that was fun. We had a lot of years doing those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And then um, Jana's, her, she, the, a lot of the kids have no idea who she is now because she's been gone for many years. But whenever I tell them, we have a, an improv team, and every year, the big, uh, wonderful like, celebration if they are admitted onto the improv team is that they get to 
come up with a saying that gets printed on the front of their <laughs> improv shirt. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. So every once in a while I'll say, Jana Hargadon is the person that <laughs> came up with this improv shirt. And for years, Jana would, would try to come out and see a Shakespeare show if she was in town. And once in a while, you know, we would always say, we would ask if someone had someone special in the audience, and I would let them know if Jana was coming. And I'd say, do you know who Jana is? And they'd say, no. i say, oh, she was a co-founder for for the troupe. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I would say, and she came up with the idea for the <laughs> phrases for the improv shirts. And they're like, oh! <laughs> they look forward to that. Yeah. The team does it every year. Play theory, you've seen it from the beginning, and mm-hmm. now you see where it's solidified. Do you have any other thoughts on that or what your journey with it has been like? Yes, I think my understanding of play theory has deepened over the years. I feel like the th- the strategies, the principles of play theory are are like a basket of well-being, like the potential for helping you to have a happier, more healthy kind of emotional life can I like be found. That. A basket of well-being. <laughs> That's um, awesome. I think I think just engaging in play theory takes some courage. If you're a participant as um you know, one of the leaders or as a guest. As um, we're, and, and this is talking about our workshops. Mm-hmm, your workshops. We, yeah, which they're wonderful if you, ever, if you ever get a chance to attend one or want to uh, use some curriculum and create your own. I think that is so true because you have to lean in with courage mm-hmm. and you have to take some risk. There's an investment to do these activities. It's mm-hmm. different than just reading about it. Right. Or I love, even I love listening. This, this quote by, um, I think it's Anise Nin that says life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And <laughs> that's so good. I think when you can lean into these games and in integrating these principles into your life, it can be expanding. And I'm I'm a behind the scenes person. I'm not an on stage gal. So that's scary for me to, to try. I think sometimes I would jump in. Uh-huh. Um but I think life will it would ex- expand for anyone who, who leaned into it and tried it. Yeah, I, I can kind of testify to that because back when we would do more of the workshops, COVID really shut that down hard, but we would do a number of workshops every year before COVID. And uh, with our rehearsals, we, were always, we always would do some type of an activity related to play theory. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would be tired, I wouldn't want to join in, and I'd get a little lazy about that. And I would have to remind myself, no, I have to, I have to practice this. Mm-hmm. And I was always surprised at how it would shape or um, redirect some of my energy or my thoughts by participating. Hmm. And it's really easy to think, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, learned that. But that's why we're always talking about this happiness as a practice. Mm-hmm. And play theory and the principles that we teach are things that you have to participate in. Mm. You can't just think about. Can't be a bystander mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite play theory experience or a principle or any anything else that you want to? We can wrap it up with this thought because mm. we're gonna, we're going to continue our conversation about Jenna's work and some other thoughts that she has about some of the specific play theory principles. But I don't know if there's anything or a, a fun memory or. Oh uh, yes, I have a fun memory. <laughs> well, one that's not embarrassing to me. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> we were doing Laura Ingalls Wilder. Okay. 
And we... This was an original production that I wrote that the, the theater company performed. Mm-hmm. And there was square dancing in it. And we thought, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> this would be so fantastic if we can teach them. Yeah. Like the Virginia Reel or some little, yeah. little ditty, you know? And so we got all these fourth graders out there, boys and girls, oh. to get them to square dance together. <laughs> and they all had the heebie-jeebies with each other and would not touch each other. Oh. Or even do do around each other. That was the hardest fail I think we've ever had in any kind of interactive activity. We all just laughed so hard. These oh. kids, it was like you were trying to get them to put centipedes in their pockets or yeah, something. Yeah, we, we did not take into account the cooties factor. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yep. And oh, yeah. A little bit older, two years older. We did it with other groups, but the fourth graders, <laughs> they were having none of it. We thought, because the, our fourth graders were was such an amazing audience to come to the show. Yes. All the girls would dress up like Laura Ingalls and yes. bring their moms and grandmas, and but we didn't take into account boys and girls in fourth grade. <laughs> Holding hands and square dancing together was not going to work. Oh, my goodness. It's a big fail, and I think oh. you and I just looked at each other and laughed our heads off because oh. what do you do at that point yeah you just have to laugh yeah at life you can't cry in a corner and well wah, we, wah. we accepted and build and we learned that fourth graders boys and girls don't interact yeah and we kind of went oh yeah i remember that from when yeah. i was in the fourth grade <laughs> anyway that was one funny thing i could i oh. could think of i remember going into olympus junior high and you were the one who instigated that mm-hmm. we would go and we would do our our educational show or our Shakespeare show when we did these workshops mm-hmm. and after we'd been there a few different times I was walking behind this group of three boys and one of them tried to trip the one in the middle and the one on the outside the other side said hey look outward make your partner look good <laughs> and that was that was another thing that we would say when our principals was make your partner look good and I thought mm-hmm. oh my goodness we're doing it we're influencing sinking the, in yes we're changing this culture and I think that's one of the reasons why we were well-received at that school because they recognized that was our intent. Yeah, the kids loved the shows because we brought the page to life. Yeah. In a fun, musical, funny, and sometimes serious way. And they got it. Yep. And this is, this is another story about Janet at Olympus Junior High. This, they, we would do the shows out in the quad, which was an open-air uh, stage in the middle of their campus but there were archways out there to the street and somebody during our show started mowing their lawn do you remember this? <laughs> yes <laughs> a blower so, so you know I, I got the kids in costume I got them up on stage in their act and they're, they're doing all that but Jan is out there running across the street telling people to stop mowing their lawn if they could just wait for another 40 minutes <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's just smile please Stop moving on. Come see our show. There you go. <laughs> Janet was she was the great instigator. She would make it happen. <laughs> Love it. Fun. All right, for our play of the week, I hope that you'll consider if there is something that you know about that will encourage or help someone in your sphere of influence. If you can think of something, and I'm sure there is something, next take some time to share that insight with them. Maybe it's a new skill, like how to make sourdough bread. Or maybe it's an awesome weekly podcast that helps you practice happiness. Whatever it is, sharing your new wisdom will help solidify your understanding of it. Remember, hominis dum docent discant, or men, when they teach, learn. I heard from one of our listeners named Laura that 
she was able to share the podcast when she was filling up her car with gas. She'd gone in to the gas station and the attendant there commented on how positive and cheerful she was. And he actually asked her, why? Why are you so happy? And Laura, she was so great. She said, I listened to this podcast all about happiness. Would you like to know more about it? And the guy said, sure. So she wrote down the name and handed it to him on a piece of paper. So if you are that gas station attendant and you're listening, I'd love to hear from you. Leave us a message on Instagram or send us a comment on playtheory.org and let us know what you think. Do you know what equanimity means? Tune in next week to learn more about this powerful state of mind and its role in overcoming anxiety. Until then, remember, happy isn't something that happens to you. It's something you make happen. And here at the Happiness Playbook, we're all about helping you do just that. Until next week, keep practicing happy. You've got this.